Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. Welcome to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast, where this week, I'm on my own. I don't have a guest, nobody with me in the studio, but me, myself, my mic and my headphones. Firstly, before I start, I just wanted to reach out and say thank you so much to everybody that's messaged me or sent me a DM or reached out in some way, shape or form to say that the previous episode that I recorded on the passing of my mother has really resonated with them, has really hit home and highlighted some truths in their relationship with their parents. I am so glad, so over the moon that so many of you have taken value from it. Um, my main reason for recording that podcast was purely to kind of let listeners know what's been happening in the world of James over the last few months and I never in a million years thought that it would have the kind of response it's had. I'm absolutely blown away that I've been able to connect with so many people on this level and it's nice to see people messaging in saying James you know what you've really prompted me to reach out to my own parents you've prompted me to make contact with them you know I've I've reached out to them I'm inviting them over for a barbecue or I'm getting them over to have dinner with me and I'm actively going to try and spend some more time with them so if you are one of those people that did reach out thank you thank you so much I had some really really nice messages and I really did enjoy reading each and every one of those apologies if I haven't replied to you what tends to happen is these messages come in I read them and I think you know what I'm going to get back to that person and then shortly after another message comes in another message comes in and before you know it I can't find that message and you know my old brain just hasn't got the capacity to go back and try and find them anyway so great thank you so much to everybody who reached out it is really really been appreciated massively and thank you to everybody that has donated we've absolutely smashed the target and I couldn't have done it without all you guys on to today's episode. So earlier this week, or in fact, last week, Monday, I posted something about legal action. Now, legal action is one of those things, if you have to take it, it's generally not a nice thing to go through if you've not gone through it before. You know, any kind of argument or disagreement is something that you really don't want to get into. It's not a nice place to be. It's not a nice thing to do. I had to go through legal action against some letting agents almost a year ago to the date. I did a post of it on on Instagram and shared some of the notes, but I thought, you know what, this actually needed to be recorded as a podcast so more people could hear the whole process that I went through with this and how long it actually took to get these rogue crooks into court and to get justice served, you know. Um, I would say to each and every one of you, if you're owed a debt and you know the debt is legitimate, you know you've done nothing wrong, you've been absolutely in the right with everything, I would urge you to go forward and chase that debt. Now, I almost gave up with chasing this debt. You know, there were several times during the during the whole year-long process where, in fact, I actually said to my mum, I said, you know what, I've had enough of this. This is taking up too much of my energy. I'm not going to chase it any longer. And she said in her Indian accent, don't let those assholes get away with it, you know. And that's all the encouragement I needed, really. Just push me forward to kind of foresee it through and, and to prepare my evidence against them. So let me take you back. So what happened was the first lockdown, the first lockdown hits in, what was it, March sometime in 2020, and we're told we can't go out. Now, the strange thing was, as soon as this lockdown hit, somehow the agents thought, you know what, aha, uh-huh, we can use this to our advantage. And that's exactly what they did. They just stopped paying rent. Absolutely just 
stopped, you know, and I've been dealing with these guys for over, over about six or seven years. And to be fair, rent has always been on time. The property hasn't been in the best state and there's always been issues with maintenance, but I couldn't fault them on the rent. They always paid within one or two days of the due date of when the rent was. I hardly ever had to chase them. So this time around, I was really, really surprised that as soon as the COVID announcement was made and they were talking about, you know, uh, mortgage holidays, et cetera, et cetera, people finding it difficult, they can't get evicted. These guys took full on advantage of that. Literally, my rent was due a couple of weeks after we went into lockdown and the and the rent just stopped. Now, if you rely on the rent to pay the mortgage or if you're using that rental from this income for other expenses, it can be a bit of a kick in the nuts, you know, because you've now got a gap to fill elsewhere. And that's exactly what I had to do. I had to fill this gap somewhere else. Now, the most annoying thing about all of this is there was no legitimate reason behind it. If there was a legitimate reason, whereas, you know, the tenants were having issues or they were not working or they actually had genuine problems with their employment, I would have looked at this in a totally different light. But that wasn't the case here because one of the first things I did was when the rent stopped, I kind of went round to the house to try and find out what the situation was. Um, According to my contract, should I have done that? Probably not because I didn't have a contract with the tenants. Could I have got into trouble? Quite possibly I could have, yes, because the contract was between the tenants and the agents and not me. But I thought, you know what? The house is so close. Let me find out what's going on. What's going on in this place? Something fishy is going on and you need to find out. I went in there and it was apparent to see very, very quickly that the house was in disrepair and that the tenants would have had a legitimate reason to stop paying rent. And I was under the impression they probably stopped paying because of the way the house was. I didn't actually question them on it. I just asked them. I said, you know, what's going on with the rent? And they said, well, what do you mean, James? What's going on with the rent? We've been paying our rent and we've just paid our rent this month. And we will continue to pay our rent. And it's only then where the kind of penny dropped and I realized, ah, okay. So what the agents are doing, they're still collecting rent but they're keeping it themselves. And then I started thinking to myself, if they've done this to the 40 or 50 landlords that they've got, and they're using COVID as a damn excuse, they're going to end up walking with walking away with quite a substantial sum of money. And if only a small percentage of those landlords actually took the agency to court, they're still going to be far better off. And chances are they probably will fold the company at one point because there is too much debt. So it was it was it was apparent to see that they were just trying a sneaky move, a very very kind of um, shark like maneuver because they could, you know, they could get away with it because the laws had so laws had been set in the way that you know we had to be a little bit lenient to everything. Now let me take you through the process of how something like this works. Now I would always say to anybody about to get into a legal litigation or some kind of legal battle with someone, the first thing you really want to try and do or first thing you should have at the back of your head is that, do you know what? I am going to try and mediate this. I'm going to try and sit down. I'm going to try and resolve this. We're going to come to some kind of agreement. Now, sitting down might not sound like the ideal thing to do when you've just fallen out with someone. But let me tell you something. Litigation is a rich man's game. Yeah, it's a lot of money. You're going to need a lot of money if you need to go to trial. I mean, smaller cases like this, not so much. But if you're in any kind of big legal battle, you do need some deep pockets. So mediation and sitting down with someone around a coffee table and coming to some kind of agreement can be a hell of a lot cheaper for both parties involved, both the defendant and the claimant. So I would always say to you, when you start a legal battle with someone, have it in the back of your mind that you are prepared 
to sit down, mediate and come to some kind of arrangement. Because let's say, for example, they owe you £10,000 worth of rent and they want to settle at £8,000. I would much rather take the £8,000 than drag through court for a year. All those fees, all those legal fees that you're going to have to, you know, if you haven't got time to prepare paperwork yourself and you're going to be using a solicitor or a barrister to prepare defence for you, it's going to add up. So it's always best to take a slightly smaller amount of money or take a hit on the money and make sure the debt is paid. Following that, once you've got that thought in your head that, hey, I'm here to try and resolve this, the first thing you want to do straight away is communicate. Don't just go quiet. You haven't received your rent. Don't go in all guns blazing. What I would tend to do is the first step and the first important step would be to send them a polite message on an email. I would also send it on a WhatsApp and I'd probably back it up with a text message as well and a hand-delivered letter and maybe even a letter in the post so you know that every angle has been covered. So your first letter or your first point of contact should go somewhere along, along the lines of, hey, Mr. Bloody Bloody Blah, I noticed that this month's rent is late. Can I just ask uh, you to make an immediate payment to the account below uh, or contact me to let me know why it's late and if there's anything I can do to help? Now, that's a very polite letter. It's showing that you're trying to come to some kind of arrangement with not even some kind of arrangement. It's showing that you are aware that there's a late payment and that nothing has been done. Now, if you don't get a reply to that letter, what I would do is wait another seven days and I'd have a second letter go out saying something along the lines of, in reference to my letter last week, blah, de, blah, de, blah, I still haven't heard from you. I'm uh, getting worried now that our rent hasn't been paid and I'm chasing you to find out why. You know, again, very, very polite, not very forceful. It's there. It's another stage. Now, while you're doing this, I would also say to you, get yourself like a Google Docs, sorry, a Google Sheets or an Excel chart and be logging all your communication. Now, log all your communication in the sense that, okay, on the 1st of March 2020, you sent them an email. Then you sent them a text message. Then you sent them this. Now, I would also say start kind of putting the evidence together in a folder. So if you sent them a letter, make sure the letter is dated and it's put into a folder because at some point later on down the line, you're going to have to call upon this evidence because this evidence might have to go into your kind of defence pack to be sent into the judge prior to it being heard in a court or in front of a judge or, you know, at a hearing. So make sure you're doing that because if you imagine you're going through the whole year, it's going to take you a year, maybe a year and a half, might even take you a little bit longer and... You're constantly sending letters, emails, messages. You want to make sure that you've got a log of all these and trying to do all of this last minute when there's a court hearing coming up, you're going to miss something. So I would always say Google kind of sheet or Microsoft Excel, log all communication dates, times, have a link to the folder where all the files are so you can call upon these very, very easily. Now, once you've sent them one letter, two letters, I would even go for a third letter. Now, in the third letter... I would be very mindful to saying, look, if I don't hear from you by such and such date, I will now be pursuing this to legal action. You know, I will be claiming against you and I would make it very, very clear in that first letter that you would be claiming for costs as well so that they know there's going to be incurred fees on this. Sometimes it prompts people to give you a call and settle. Sometimes they will try and ride it out as long as they can and think to themselves, you know what, I'm not scared of this guy. I'm going to just run with it. I'm going to see what happens. Let's go to court, blah de blah Let's see what he can do to me. But nevertheless, make sure you tell them. Now, again, after this letter has been done, make sure the letter has been logged on your Google Sheet so you know it's gone. Again, if you've sent it, record a delivery. Make sure you keep all the slips. 
check to see that somebody's received it, print off the signature and put it into your folder because that just shows that you have done what you're going to say you're going to do and these people have received your correspondence. Now, failing this, if you do not now get a reply from them, I would then go in again with one more letter saying that you are now at your last resort. There's no more kind of going back from this. The next letter you receive will be to take action against you. What you're doing here is not only giving them some time to think about what you're about to do, but you're also showing to the judge or you're also showing to any court that you are a very kind of, um, you're not an easygoing person, that you're a very kind of upstanding person who's asked them to explain why things haven't been paid. You've asked them to kind of come back to you with answers. It shows that you're patient. It shows that you're prepared to negotiate and it shows that you're very professional. Now, once you send them the letter for last extra saying letter before action, it's called a uh, an LBA letter before action. Uh, you can find them on Google or you can use someone like Thomas, Thomas Higgins to do these for you or Law Depot as well. There's loads of places where you can get these letters or templates or even if you want one from myself, I can, I can send you one. I have a template as well. Just reach out to me and I'll forward you that across. Um, once that final letter has gone in, if your debt is below a certain amount, I believe it's below £10,000 or something like that, you should be able to just do this very, very easily on Money Claim Online. Now, Money Claim Online, a couple of things with Money Claim Online. Make sure you, when you register for Money Claim Online, you put your password somewhere safe because I don't believe they have a password reminder. If you forget your special code or your unique number, that's it. You're done with your case, all your paperwork, everything that you've kind of served on people, you won't be able to access. Well, I haven't been able to access anywhere and I've lost a password in the past. So make sure it's securely stored somewhere. You've got it written down a few times so that when you need to refer to it, it's there. Money Claim Online is just a kind of a click exercise. You fill bits in, you fill in the cost, you can fill in any interest, you can fill in any additional costs. It gives you a section just to write down what your statement is, uh, what you're claiming for. And then what happens is once you've paid the fee, I believe in my case, the fee was around three or four hundred pounds, don't quote me on that, something like that. Once the fee is paid, uh, you then get an official letter, an official letter that goes out from a court and it will go to, um, you know, go to the defendant. As you're the claimant, you're the person claiming, it goes to the defendant and it will just list in there every single thing that you are claiming for. Now, at this stage, once they get this, you'd think to yourself that they're going to be kind of proactive and respond. Now, don't be surprised if somebody doesn't respond to you. The chances are they're still sitting there. There's a massive ego with these kind of things where you think, you know what? I'm not sending him what he needs. I'm not negotiating with him. I'm right. I'm going to win. I'm going to beat him. I'll take him to court. Let's see what happens. So don't be surprised even when official paperwork goes through to them that they don't respond to you. Now, they do have a set period of time to come back to you. So at some point, they are going to have to either put a counterclaim in or they're going to have to put a defense in or they're going to have to admit to this offer some kind of payment plan so it's not as if they can just ignore it they do have a set amount of time where they need to come back to you now in my situation the agents were very very rogue you know they knew how the system worked they knew how to play the system so they decided I can only think to buy themselves some more time. They decided to put in a counterclaim. Now, what I mean by a counterclaim is that they turned around and said to the court, hey, coat, this guy's claiming against me for this, but I'm going to claim against him for this. And their sorry ass excuse was that they never got a deposit back or, you know, uh, they never signed a contract. And it was just it was just full of lies. And 
when you looked at it on the surface, it looked as if some kid had just prepared this to kind of buy some time. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was just the office junior who they've asked to just say, hey, Abdul, knock this up for us so we can get this sorted um, or try and get this uh, kind of pushed under the carpet for a little bit longer. It was just so cringy to read because you could tell they were lying and everything in it was just lies. Very badly constructed, very badly put together, just full, full of fibs, full, full full of fibs anyway so when that counterclaim comes through you then get a letter come through to you again from the court saying bloody bloody blah defendant has put in a counterclaim how do you respond you know at this stage i just thought their claim was ludicrous i replied back to the court asking for it to be thrown out and i did again provide supporting evidence um, another really good source for you guys is definitely 100 million percent join the NRLA. Now, that's uh, an official body where you can get information. Now, one thing I love about the NRLA is that you can call their helpline. If you're a member, they will talk to you through stuff. They have lots of resources on their website. They have lots of bits like letters, agreements, forms that you can use that are so, so helpful. And it's just nice talking to these people because there's professionals there to advise you and to tell you what your next course of action should be and how you can actually move along with your claims. So for me, they were very, very helpful. And if anybody wants to sign up for the NRLA, there's a discount code for you, which is NDE-155. That's nde Dash one five five. That code will get you fifteen pounds off your annual membership, and it gives me a fiver as well. So, who, Uncle James, can have a, a chicken burger? But yeah, hundred percent National Residential Landlords Association worth their weight in gold. Get in contact with them; they will advise you on how to do things. So, once I sent through the counterclaim saying that it was all a load of nonsense, it was some time I had to wait before it was disregarded. Uh, and I did, they didn't reply to it. Now they were now in official lockdown. So they're claiming they were not at their offices, but their offices are so close to my home and I drive past their offices. So I could see that they were there right the way through lockdown. But yeah, they chose not to respond for whatever reason. And it was automatically thrown out. Now the case continued. Uh, the court again gave them a couple of weeks to respond. I believe the court wrote to them and said, look, you guys need to respond. And they still didn't respond. Uh, in the end, we got an automatic judgment against them. You know, that automatically we, we won the case. Now, it just doesn't stop there. I mean, what that meant was that they got a CCJ against their name uh, and it was now time for us to enforce this debt. And you're talking in terms of time frame. We started this in around April, June 2020. And by the time this judgment came through, it probably would have been around... Feb 2021, maybe even a little bit before that, but that's how long it took to get to this stage. Now, once you have a, a kind of judgment that's been awarded or, you know, they've got a CCJ against them, the next stage is getting the debt enforced. Now, I would say to you, before you go to a bailiff or anything like that, the best thing to do is maybe write them a letter and just say, hey, as of yesterday or as of whenever the court hearing or as of whatever date passed, you are now liable for this debt. Here is a judgment against you. Put your banking details down in an email. Nice stern letter saying I'd appreciate the payment in my account within 24 hours in full to resolve this matter and put it to bed. Now, 
if that works for you, happy days. It's worked for me in the past where they have gone ahead and just paid it because they know they're not getting away with it. Always putting in the threat of high court bailiff action always helps because any kind of person who's who's rogue in the game and knows what the high court enforcement officers do will know that they're not going to go anywhere until they've got part of their debt paid or if there's a very valid reason for them to leave. So um, you can always put the threat of that in there. Now, if you know they're going to ignore your claim, which I knew they would, they would just take the piss and not bother paying it. Best thing then is to do is to contact a bailiff's firm or a high court sheriff's firm and get a control of writ. Now, what that means is they'll ask you for the judgment paperwork. Once you've handed the judgment paperwork over to the, to the bailiff company, they will then apply for a control of writ. Now, once the control of writ is in their hand, it basically means that they can turn up at the rogue's door and say, Hey, Mr. Abdul. Here's a debt that's been awarded against you, and we are here to collect it today. Generally, when this happens, people shit themselves because the kind of people that are going to come to your door are two big bald guys. Well, not really two big bald guys. They might be two old guys, but they're going to be somebody who's fairly intimidating, and you're going to think, oh, no, man, now I've got to pay this debt. Sometimes people ain't phased by it because they've been in it too long. They've dealt with this kind of debt for so many years that they just don't care. But then there's other people that are just like, oh man, you know what? This is, um, this is pretty serious stuff. Let's just get this sorted. Anyway, so when I appointed DCBL, which are the bailiffs that you will see on the TV where they say can't take, can't pay, we'll take it away. It was the same mob. They went down to the address. They went down to the address very, very early. Now I personally feel that they may have uh, the agents may have seen these guys on camera because there's motion detection from outside and known that somebody's sniffing around looking for them because they didn't turn up that day. And the bailiffs did wait for quite a while, kind of four or five hours to see if anybody turned up. And uh, bailiffs are really good, actually, because they talk to neighboring properties. They talk to neighbors as well and trying to paint a picture of what the particular uh, defendant was like and what their movements were. It turns out from speaking to a neighbor that they are in daily. Uh, they spend the first hour and a half in the local coffee shop just having a coffee and a few smokes and getting ready for the day. But even after this failed attempt of visiting them, we tried another couple of times and they just weren't about. So we left it. We left it there. In the meantime, everything started to return back to normal and the, the agents again tried to get a um, another kind of postponement on paying the debt because they felt that they didn't have enough time to do it, because they felt there was COVID and all this and that. So we got a hearing date. So this thing actually went to trial and we got a hearing date. Now, in preparation for this hearing, uh, I needed my evidence to be pretty strong. I needed everything together and collated in one. Now, remember I told you about keeping that Google Doc sheet so everything is documented? This is the prime time when something like that comes in handy when you're preparing your defence. In fact, if you've got everything logged like that and at this stage you did need to use a solicitor and you sent them an email showing everything was logged with communications they're going to love you because you have put a lot of things together for them and it saves them a hell of a lot of time now at this stage i couldn't i couldn't afford to use a barrister because barristers are not cheap they're going to be you know four or five hundred pounds an hour for preparing case notes i couldn't afford to even use a solicitor but what i did do was I've got a retired friend who's a solicitor and he helped me along the way. Now, yes, there was costs involved, a few hundred here, a few hundred here. And I think that was more so him helping me and just giving me a subsidized bill. But what it meant was with his assistance and with his help, I was able to put together a damn strong case. Now, all my evidence was 
pretty strong and it was all in one place. Now, a little trip for you. You have to serve the other side with your evidence and whatever things you are putting in place and whatever you're going to be talking about in court. Now, I always send that evidence pack, say, 4.30, 5 o'clock the day before the hearing or the day before the deadline's due. Now, I found that works really, really well because nine times out of ten, no one's picked it up, uh, but we've got proof that it's been sent within the time frame. Um, and then... Also, when it's not been picked up, they haven't analysed it, they haven't had time to process it, they haven't had time to go through it. Now, when my court hearing came along, my trial hearing, it was on uh, Microsoft Teams or Zoom or something like that online, and there I was in front of the judge, you know, it was my time to explain to him what's been happening, and I knew I was going to use this opportunity to make sure he knew exactly what these people were like, what they put me and my family through, and that, you know, they deserved to have what happened to them. The, they deserved for the judgment to be enforced in full. So first thing that I did was when, when the hearing started was I made it very clear to tell the judge, hey, Your Honour, um, Master, I would like to just request to you that I am merely a layman, which means I'm just a, a normal person. I don't understand legal lingo. I do understand parts of legal lingo, but not to the extent these guys are talking. So he was more than happy to stop and break things down for me so I could understand them. Now, when a layman like yourself, like myself, is up against a barrister, although a junior barrister, they were using languages that I didn't know what it meant. They were using numbers, codes, this act, that act to talk. So it was good that I was able to stop the pair of them and just say, hey, could somebody just stop a second and break that down for me because I don't understand it. And I would urge you to do that. If you don't understand anything in the trial, stop and ask them what it means because interpretation in your mind could mean that it means something totally different from what it means. And, you know, judges are there to help you and is there to get you a fair hearing. Anyway, so the hearing started. It was evident to see that the barrister from the other side, from the agency's side, um, didn't have a clue you know he was quite honest in saying I was just handed this case last night I haven't had a chance to deeply process it so I'm just going to have to go on the basis of what I know um, judge started looking through the evidence and you know he made it quite clear that he feels that uh, I'm not being unreasonable in any shape uh, way or form but he felt there were certain things in their defense that was hugely questionable um they again were looking for a deferment so that they could go away and prepare some more paperwork and come back with some nasty bits i guess the judge wasn't happy with that particularly and he asked me mr soto what would you like to do in an ideal situation and i said to him straight i said you know what um i only have one outcome here and that is to get it settled today i don't want this to be extended any further into any further time in the future i need to make sure this debt is settled today and that i can close it and move forward and you know what? He just looked at all the evidence and he said, you know what? I am not allowing them to have an extension because it's absolutely ludicrous. It's just nonsense. And I do want to conclude this matter today. And he asked me, Mr. Sahota, what would conclude this matter today? I said, me having my debt paid in full and my costs. Now, schoolboy error, schoolboy error here. When you submit costs to a court, they need to be submitted before the hearing, apparently, with a documented list of all the costs you've incurred. Now, I didn't know this. Now, I only probably spent about eight, nine hundred pounds on legals and costs speaking to certain solicitors across the year. So I didn't think it was much. But had I put an Excel statement in just clearly highlighting how much time was spent in certain areas, no doubt they would have added that to the claim and, and you know, bumped my payment up. Now, Again, once the hearing was over, you know, the judge said to me, he goes, for somebody who's self-representing himself, you did a really, really good job. And, you know, 
he said to me, have you ever considered a career in law? And I, I took that as an absolute compliment that I'd achieved something great that day. And a little win like this meant a lot to me. Now, once uh, once the judgment had been awarded, uh, again, that we could pursue with it, the first thing I did was, again, jump on a mediation email where you're trying to be very, very supportive and just email the client and say to them, hey, you may have heard or you may not have heard that judgment has gone against you and that the full amount is now due and the judge has awarded this debt to me. And again, put a polite email in there saying, I expect this payment to be paid into the following bank account listed below Santander, bloody, 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 short coast account number within 24 hours and fire it across. Do the same thing in the post, record it, send it off so it knows that you've made contact with them. Now, I didn't think anything of it. I sent it across and I thought, you know what? They're going to ignore it. They're going to try every trick in the book again not to pay this debt. I'm going to have to get the bailiffs involved, have goods removed, go to auction, blah, blah. Now, to my absolute amazement, 27 hours after the email was sent, so they were still late by three, the full debt was in the bank account and it had been paid in full. Now, I was gobsmacked absolutely gobsmacked because the way these guys were throughout the last 12 months or 13 14 months i honestly thought to myself they're going to take the piss they're going to bump this up even more they're going to take even longer to pay this or make some stupid offers but to have the whole debt paid in full that was a great 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 victory and best thing was it's one of the last bits of news I actually got to share with my mother before she passed away. Now, you know, she couldn't talk on these last few days, but I can tell you she had a smile on her face, a tear in the corner of her eyes, and it was like a victory. It was a victory for both of us. You know, we'd persevered with this for long enough. I hadn't given up. I'd listened to her, and I hadn't let these arseholes get away with it. And it was a day of judgment. It was a day of victory. And you know what? It was a day that I really did smile and think to myself, you know what? I really fully now believe in the justice system because... If you play it right, you do it right, you do get your debt paid. Now, a week after, maybe not even a week after, maybe 10 days after, I now get another letter from these agents saying, Hey, Mr. Soto, bloody, 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 blah. On the last last 18 months, we have still been paying council tax for this property. We request that you refund us this council tax money or we're now going to take you to court for it. And I'm thinking to myself, you idiots have forgot to cancel your direct debit during COVID. You've been paying the council tax at the house for me for the last 18 months and the council have told you there's nothing you can do about it and you are now trying to take legal action against me to claim this money back. By this time, I've had enough of dealing with these guys and I'm just thinking to myself, oh my God, what are these guys up to? But I was point blank, I am not refunding you that money. It serves you right that you carried on paying it, even if it was by mistake. Not my problem, not my fault. Again, another firm letter goes back to him saying, actually, officially, you were still under contract. So you were in breach of your contract when you didn't pay the rent. But point could be argued that you were still under contract up until the day of the judgment, which would mean you need to cover the council tax. And I put it there firm in that email. And I did also say to him, should you wish to take this to court, this will be rigorously contested, which means I will be tearing it apart as a claim against me. And I also said to them that it's advisable that you drop this because the judge did say that this claim was now settled in full and final, which means they can't really go ahead and open it again, which these stupid idiots decided to do anyway. Um, just to reinforce the claim, I also put them another letter in saying, look, if you are, are going to pursue with this, I will then be pursuing with the damages claim against you, which told it to be about £27,000. So basically that means when I got the house back, 
that's how much damage was in the house. Now, the best thing about this claim would have been, I actually did a maintenance report a few years ago that they put their name to and signed and said, we agree that all of these issues are apparent in the house and that we will have them fixed. I've got both the director's signatures on there saying that they will address these problems. Now, that is exactly what I would have been claiming for if I took them to court a second time. Now, it's been a, been a few weeks. I haven't heard anything back from them. I really am hoping that's it. It's done with. If they want to get into a legal battle, I'm happy to get into another legal battle because I believe I can represent myself and present evidence how I need to now, knowing I've gone through this a few times. But it's just added stress one does not need in life. You know, it's one of those things that I would rather just stay away. Wow. So to conclude, if somebody owes you money, number one, don't let them get away with it. Absolutely no, 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 no. And if you believe the debt is fully legitimate, take them to court. Take them to court, make an example of them so they can't do this to anybody else. You know, because they will start doing this again and again if they can get away with it. Now, going back to my example of what I said to you, if they've got 40, 50 landlords on their books, come COVID, they stopped paying and only a few of them took them to court and claimed the money. They've still got a larger pot of cash sitting there to play with and they're still up on their profits because not every single landlord is going to be clued up about taking them to court. Just remember... You want to try and mediate, mediate, mediate. You always want to come to a resolution, show the judge that you're always willing to resolve a matter rather than getting to a deep fight. And thirdly, you know, strap in and, you know, relax because it's going to be a long ride. It's not going to be something that's going to be sorted very, very quickly. Uh, it will be a long, long ride, but it's definitely worth it when it goes in a positive, in, in a positive way and you do get your debt paid back and it's just feels like free money for a bit when it's not. It's actually your own money. I hope. That episode gave you some insight into how to deal with a debt. I hope it was helpful. If it was, do reach out to me. Do let me know. Do share it. Do like it. Send it to someone who it might help. If any of you do need some assistance with, uh, you know, chasing a debt, I do have 15 minute slots on my diary. Now I've only opened up a few 15 minute slots because one of the things I really wanted to do was try and put something back into community and help people, uh, free of charge at no cost to myself. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, just uh, reach out to me, drop me an email, james at jamesahota.co.uk, and I will send you my diary link on where you can book a 15-minute slot with me, and I'll be more than happy to talk you through this or anything else uh, for that matter. There will be a, an online webinar that I'm going to be doing on how to chase a debt properly. That will include all the letters, all the templates, everything that you need from the start of kind of taking warning someone to kind of taking them right the way through to getting your debt paid and closing the case down so look out for that one as well and lastly just um thank you so much to everybody that supports the podcast every week if you haven't already please do jump onto itunes and give us a five-star review it really does help it bumps the podcast up the channel it's uh i don't make any money from it this is a pure passion project that i love doing uh also the last place you can review the podcast is on the the j2 hub podcast page uh, on facebook you can jump on there and leave us a review and also you know just um if you're listening to an episode screenshot it and just share it across instagram and don't forget to tag me in james Hota. thank you so much again guys i will see you next week with another episode james is firmly back on the podcast scene so you can be expecting some crazy episodes coming up with some even more crazier guests thanks for tuning in bye for now Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota.
If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.